0: Some of the free shows this season include Izkali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Cholly Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. It's the first of the month, and Denverite's Excel Energy bills are just too dang high. But at the same time, Excel is reporting massive profits to shareholders, building out huge new infrastructure projects across the metro area, and somehow finding some money left over to invest in the transition to green energy. So I called up the president of Excel Energy Colorado to hear how they're making the numbers work when so many Denverites are struggling to do the same. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. I'm Bree Davies and here's what Denver's talking about. Robert Kenny, welcome to CityCast Denver.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for the invitation to be here.
0: So I know you've probably explained this a thousand times in the past couple of months, but I really want to start with this issue. Uh, My energy bill and so many other Denverites energy bills are like through the roof and Excel's kind of bragging that shareholders are looking at billion dollar profits. What is going on?
1: Well, Bree, first of all, let me say, you know, thank you for inviting me to be on here and talk to your listeners, our customers. And let me also say that, you know, we recognize that, For some of our customers, our most vulnerable customers that are low income or fixed income, any rate increase can be very, very challenging. And that's why we offer energy assistance in the form of bill um, assistance, bill payment assistance, directing our customers to other resources, helping them to use their energy more efficiently. So first, I just wanted to start with that, that we recognize that these can be challenging times, particularly for our most vulnerable customers. The reason that this is happening, the recent spike that we've seen in energy bills, um, can be attributable attributed to a couple of different things. Um, the biggest and most significant driving factor has been the increase in fuel costs. So the wholesale price of natural gas makes up the biggest portion of most customers' bills, and that's driven by global supply and demand market forces. Um, natural gas is used to heat customers' homes and businesses as well as to generate electricity. We do pass that cost on directly to our customers without a markup. And just to put a fine point on it, we don't make a profit on the increased wholesale price of natural gas. The other contributing factor was this year's cold weather, which has impacted customers' bills with higher-than-average natural gas use. And just as an example, customers used 35 almost 36% more natural gas in November of 2022 – than they did in November of 21. Now, I will say that natural gas prices are starting to come down. Prices are expected to lower, and then as the temperatures get warmer, we would expect usage to also decline. And so, starting March 1, our customers will see reflected in their bill, this will be the third such adjustment that we've made downward. And for our average residential customer, their gas bill um, will be about $11.60 less in March than it would have been in February. We also expect our small business customers will pay an average of fifty-seven dollars less in March.
0: So I want to go back to something you said, which was we we as consumers get the the wholesale price of of natural gas. Like you don't mark it up essentially. But I, I I'm confused as to how Excel made one point seven billion dollars in profits if you're not essentially like selling gas.
1: So we make our profits on. Um, the investments that we make in physical assets. And so the commission, the CPUC, the Colorado Public Utilities Commission, sets an authorized rate of return that we are allowed to earn. We have the opportunity to earn. And just to be clear, we're not guaranteed a profit. I I know that that's a a common misconception is that we're guaranteed a profit. And so in 2021 and 2022, our investors did earn about 8.23% And then if you compare that to other, like, non-regulated industries, the average rate of return that investors receive is about 16%. And so, we're making profits, but I wouldn't characterize these as outsized profits. And then the last point that I would make is that those investments that we make are directly into our communities. And, And so, the amount of investment that we make typically exceeds the amount that we've invested. You mentioned, I think, $1.7 billion in, in profits that we've made across our enterprise. We've invested on an annual basis um, $5 billion in upgrades to the system, improving the reliability, investing in capacity that will be necessary as we continue driving the clean energy transition. And so we have to go out into the market and raise that additional capital in order to be able to make those investments.
0: I, I want to talk about two things you just mentioned, the investments that you profit on and then the the clean energy or the green energy movement. I know Coloradans are interested in increasing our electrification in in part to help offset the high price of natural gas, but recently Excel has come under fire for taking in some cases up to twelve months to hook up a customer's solar panels to the grid, and it's costing those environmentally conscious people a, a lot of money. I wonder is this does Excel not want us to be transitioning to green energy?
1: No, nothing could be further from the truth. We were one of the first companies back in two thousand and eight to make really strong carbon commitments and We are committed to delivering 100% carbon-free electricity by 2050. We're on track to do that. Our clean energy investments that we've made so far in Colorado alone have saved our customers about $700 million. So we are driving um, the clean energy transition. We will be bringing on nearly 5,500 megawatts of new wind and solar between 2021 and 2030. And then to your specific question about customers' Um, hooking up solar rooftop and the delays that have been happening as a result of that. I will start by saying we are we've apologized to our customers for that. And the and it's not anything other than um increase to capacity and applications that we saw after the Inflation Reduction Act was passed. We saw a big flurry and rush of applications in response to that. Um, and we just were caught flat-footed without enough contractors and, and co-workers to make those uh, installations. So we have been very clear with our customers that we um, are sorry for that fact. We have brought on more contractors and outside contractors to help with the interconnection process, and we are on track to have that backlog cleared by early March. So there's there's no desire to impede or act as an obstacle to customers wanting to deploy that technology.
0: So that's awesome. And I think that those moves are great. But I I also, I'm concerned because Excel is investing hundreds of millions of dollars per year in natural gas infrastructure still. Like, I'm thinking about there's this $32 million pipeline project underway along 14th Avenue near Sloan's Lake, and that's going to be paid off in like decades. So I, I wonder, is there a plan to help us as customers Get off the gas.
1: So, yes. Yes, there is to your first question, and that's our net zero vision for natural gas, where we intend to reduce both methane and carbon dioxide emissions from our system. Um, With respect to the specific project that you mentioned, we are committed today. We have investments that we have to make today to help customers uh, today. So, we're providing safe, reliable, and affordable natural gas service Um, in the particular West Metro area near Sloan's Lake. There, the natural gas system is nearing its capacity, and we anticipate that there's going to be continued residential and business growth that can't be served by the existing system. So that project is necessary to reinforce the existing natural gas system there. Um, That project is also needed to continue serving our customers in extreme cold weather events. And so when temperatures drop, natural gas goes up as customers heat their homes. That causes the pressure in the line to go down. And as the pressure drops, our ability to push gas through that system is reduced. And so our ultimate ability to be able to serve customers in cold weather would be inhibited by the current constraints of the system. Our estimates show that with the new 12-inch high-pressure gas line that we're installing, without that, I mean, 6,000 customers in that area could lose service during an extreme cold weather event. And so While we are making investments in some of the existing gas system, we are simultaneously increasing our investments in renewable energy and bringing on more renewable energy simultaneously.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board, So it, it sounds like it's not as easy as just like, we'll stop using gas and we'll move to green. Like we have to have a transitionary period because yes. I'm also thinking about what you're explaining is like, I'm thinking about that area on well, the north side. Of course, it's growing like, I mean, it's been growing for the last decade. So I, I think about, I think that's the struggle for for consumers is how do we help make that change if it's, if it's hard for us to sort of get away from gas?
1: Well, I, I think you described it exactly correctly. It is a transition. And, you know, and our obligation is to do it in an orderly way. And I often say we, we, we have to, as Excel, we live with the ands. We have to provide safe and reliable and affordable and increasingly green. And we have to do all those things simultaneously. And so we're required to live in the ands and balance those things. And so we are working to make this transition as expeditious and as affordable and as orderly as possible,
0: but I would assume there's a there's a shareholder element too like it's it's a challenge too it's like there's folks that need to make money off of this and doing that transition to green energy.
1: you're correct. We do have to balance the interests of our customers, our communities, and our shareholders and and we we do that the The other thing I always like to mention and want our customers to keep in mind is that you know we are also investing in our communities in other ways. So for instance, we pay $225 million in property taxes every year. Those property taxes go directly to all 64 of our counties to fund school districts and other uh, important human needs. And so it is a balance that we're required to make, um, but we also, and I want our customers and your listeners to know that we consider ourselves to be woven into the fabric of our communities. The people that work here, we have 4,000 employees, um, about half of which are represented by unions that have good-paying jobs that are probably your family and friends and neighbors. And so we are uh, committed to being of service to our communities and our customers.
0: I've heard from a lot of people, including John Caldera of the Libertarian-Leaning Independence Institute, that they're concerned that Excel is a monopoly monopolies don't have legitimate competition in a marketplace. Who do you see as Excel's competition?
1: Well, I'd say a couple of things. First of all, I think it's important to recognize the difference between a monopoly and a natural monopoly. And just to maybe economically nerd out for a moment, there are certain industries that are natural monopolies by virtue of economies of scale, by virtue of high capital costs. And so I like to say that you wouldn't want multiple people digging up the streets to put in natural gas lines, or multiple people competing to put in poles and wires. And so certain industries are more amenable to being a natural monopoly. That's why we have public utility commissions to act as a proxy for competition. And so we're not an unchecked monopoly that just is a ch- is charging monopoly rents. We are a natural monopoly that is regulated by a state utilities commission that acts as a proxy for competition. That's been the case for A hundred years. Second of all, just because we are a monopoly doesn't mean that we behave like monopolists. We treat our customers as if we are a competitive business. And it is our desire for our customers to believe and know that we value their business and that we're competing for it and we're behaving in a way that uh, we don't take them for granted. And so that's why when you mentioned the 4,000. The backlog and interconnections of our solar customers, the first thing you heard me say was, you know, we've apologized to our customers and we're taking every step to make sure that they get the customer service that they deserve. And so, you know, I I don't believe it is true that we take our customers for granted. I think it's quite the opposite.
0: So, Robert, to wrap up, I would love to just give you some space to speak directly to Denverites who are facing financial hardship as a result of staggering energy bills. Whatever you'd like to share with them, go right ahead.
1: Well, let me just maybe end where I started and say thank you for the opportunity to come on and address your listeners, our customers, and say Excel Energy Colorado's original name was Public Service Company of Colorado. We do take very seriously... The privilege that we have to serve our customers with an essential service and essential products. We have programs in place to help our most vulnerable customers via energy assistance. We work with a whole host of social service agencies, including um, Energy Outreach Colorado, to help get energy assistance into the hands of our customers. We want to help our customers use energy more efficiently. Uh, we have weatherization programs that are available for low-income customers. And so I encourage customers to go to our website or or call us to find out ways that we can help them, particularly before they get into trouble or before they see a big backlog. Um, but we have a whole host of ways that we are here to help our customers. And I'm, and I'm hopeful that by me coming on your program, Bree, and, and people hearing from me directly, that that will help humanize us a bit. Um, and that people have a little greater understanding of how we do what we do, why we do what we do, and that we are, in fact, your friends, families, and neighbors, and that we're woven into the fabric of our communities.
0: Robert Kenny, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Bree, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you.
0: After I spoke with Robert Kenny, our friend Sam Brash at Colorado Public Radio reported a story that offers a different perspective on how Excel Energy is approaching the complicated transition to green energy. According to documents Sam unearthed, a senior director at Excel served as a founding board member for Coloradans for Energy Access, a nonprofit that's been promoting natural gas and fighting the transition to renewables. Excel itself donated $80,000 to that same nonprofit in 2022. So we may have to talk more about this one. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The Last of Us. The new prestige zombie drama from HBO recently featured a scene at the University of Eastern Colorado, which of course does not exist. According to the Denver Post, the show was filmed in Alberta, Canada, but many viewers noted the on screen portrayal looked a lot like the very real Colorado State University, even down to the animal mascot, the Eastern Colorado Bighorns. Not the Rams, specifically not the CSU Rams, presumably for legal reasons. And finally, we got an interesting response from a listener to my interview with Senator Michael Bennett about TikTok on Monday. Hey, CityCast and Bree. Uh, My name is Mark Mahold, and I live in, um, we're right near Florida in Sheridan. Um, And I just listened to the interview with Michael Bennett about TikTok. And I have to say that he basically just lost my vote at that point. Um, He kept talking about how we need to ban TikTok, ban TikTok, and then, oh, when it comes to U.S. companies, we need to have a come together as a democracy to decide on what's healthy. But but you got to ban TikTok because it's from China. And it is just, it felt like he fell for Facebook's propaganda articles that came out not too long ago trying to bash TikTok that pretended to be real journalism. And if if he can't differentiate between uh, U.S. companies hoovering up all your data to sell you targeted advertising to destroy your body image. Uh, and Chinese companies doing the same, then I I don't think you should be representing us. If you ever have a comment or a question after listening, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. Again, you can call, leave us a voicemail, or you can text us at 720-500-5418. Oh, and a quick note about yesterday's show. Our producer Aaron O'Toole and I talked about the awesome new pollinator programs at the Butterfly Pavilion, but we neglected to say where we learned about them. That was a story from our friend Elena Alvarez at Axios Denver, and we've included a link in the show notes if you want to read more. Sorry about that. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Joel and Ellie about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Oh, are they from the show? Okay, perfect. Okay. The show people will understand. Okay.